His disciples said, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? First, the disciple, the word disciple here refers to Jesus' many followers, not just the apostles. So there was a large crowd, and that would be us as followers of Christ. Secondly, this saying is hard. Who can accept it? Refers to previous verses spoken by Jesus, pointing out the necessity of eating my flesh and drinking my blood. A challenging thought, indeed. I'd like to share a reading of an analogy to begin to understand this hard saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood, which we do at every Eucharistic celebration. It's funny how the print gets smaller as my get older and older. Here's a bookcase in a book which a man has never read. It may be glory and the wonder of the tragedies of Shakespeare, but so long as it remains unread upon his bookcases and bookshelves, is it external to him. One day he takes it down and he reads it. He is thrilled and fascinated and moved. The story sticks to him. The great lines remain in his memory. Now when he wants to, he can take that wonder out from inside himself and remember it and think about it and feed his mind and his heart upon it. Once the book was outside him, now it is inside him and he can feed upon it. It is that way with any great experience of life. It remains external until we take it within ourselves. And so it is with Jesus. So long as he remains a figure in a book, he, ex he is external to us. But when he enters into our hearts, we can pe feed upon the life and the strength and the dynamic vitality that he gives to us. Jesus said that we must drink his blood. He is saying, you must stop thinking of me as a subject for theological debate. You must take me into you, and you must come into me, and then you will have real life. This is what Jesus meant when he spoke about us abiding in him and himself abiding in us. When he told us to eat his flesh and drink his blood, he was telling us to feed our hearts and our souls and our minds on his humanity and to revitalize our lives with his life until we are filled with the life of God. Now, this same kind of thinking, this analogy, could be applied to human figures in our lives. A mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a teacher, coach, an aunt, an uncle. We might call them our heroes, our mentors, but the point is that because of their example, because of their lives, we are moved by an outside force that becomes a part of us, within us, internalized, 
and now an inside force within us that motivates, directs, and guides us and gives more meaning and direction to our lives. This is Jesus for us and with us and in us. Here is a deeper insight into the meaning of these verses from John's Gospel. John insisted that we must grasp and never let go the full humanity of Jesus, that he was bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. Now, what does that mean? Jesus, as we have seen again and again, was the mind of God become a person. The mind of God become a person. This means that in Jesus, we see God taking human life upon him, facing our human situation, struggling, struggling with our human problems and battling with our human temptations, working out our human relationships. Therefore, it is as if Jesus said, feed your heart, feed your mind, feed your soul on the thought of my manhood. And when you are discouraged and in despair, and when you are beaten to your knees and disgusted with life and living, remember, remember, I took the life of yours and these struggles of yours on me. And suddenly life and the flesh are united with glory, for they are touched with God. To eat Christ's body, is to feed on the thought of his manhood until our own manhood is strengthened and cleansed by his. Peter's response so many, many years ago to the acceptance of this hard saying reflects our personal presence today in our personal response to these words. Master, to whom shall we go? Peter's loyalty was based on a personal relationship to and with Jesus. There were many things that Peter did not understand, just the same as us today. He was just as bewildered and puzzled as anyone else. But there was something about Jesus for which Peter would willingly die. And in the last analysis, Christianity is not a philosophy or just an idea which we accept, nor a theory to which we give allegiance. Christianity is a personal response to Jesus Christ. It is the allegiance, the dedication, and the love which a person gives because their heart will not allow them to do anything else. Think of our love for our spouse, our family, and our friends. So let us pray, asking God to not allow us to be distracted from our life's goal for earthly happiness and eternal salvation, which is to take on the mind and the heart of Jesus. 
And as Jesus and the apostles experienced severe challenges and hard times, so too do we live in difficult and challenging times. I do not dare mention or list all the issues, disasters, political upheavals that are blanketing this earth at this time, and not certainly to mention our own issues, challenges, or problems which we all possess. Why don't I mention them? Because of distractions, for fear of losing your attention, your mind, and your heart. And so please, in closing, stay with me here as we plead, we beg, and we ask that God will favor us and drench us in his love, that God will increase 100-fold our faith, our trust, and our belief in him, and that God will direct our lives to show mercy and forgiveness to ourselves and to others. And finally, we pray that God might instill in our consciousness daily and in our everyday routines the awareness that we are never, ever alone because God walks with us, because God walks with us by our side, because God walks with us by our side always. Amen. <laughs>